how many jobs I'm rolling, by the way, but we'll ease into it naturally. You probably won't know whenever we start because I won't know where I cut in, but how many jobs are you usually doing in a week? Tattoo? Cause, yeah, because the impression I, I got is like you're you're banging them out like. I'm really busy, but I don't do as many people as you think. Okay. Because I try to just do one customer a day. I don't like people waiting about. Yeah. And because I'm booked up so far in advance, if you're gonna if you're gonna get a sleeve, it's gonna take multiple sessions. So if you have waited guts of a year, yeah. You don't wanna come in and do an hour or two and then there's somebody waiting and then it just becomes like chaotic. Yeah. So I try and just they take the full day and we come in. It's a lot more relaxed. They come in in the morning, we have a coffee together or tea, whatever they drink. Um, we chat, we design. It's kind of like a bit like me and you this morning. We, we, we start when we start and we finish when we finish. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. There's no, there's no like, oh, we have to be, I need to get him out by two o'clock. Yeah. I, I don't like that. And it's it's a tattoo. It's on you for like forever. So rushing it for me would be just morally wrong. Yeah. We just take our time. We take wee breaks. You know, we chill. And, and it's not just a tattoo. It's... Um, it's building a relationship with a customer, which I think is really important. You showed me a, an amazing thing, a video before we kind of started. And you were talking in that video like about like the story connected to the tattoo. Yeah. And like, I was just thinking, like as I was watching it, I was like, my goodness, like Willie could basically do these sweet podcast interviews while he's he's like working with his clients. Yeah, it's some of the stories. Because the I've stories heard. are being seen. Scary. You're really in the story business, if you think yeah. about it. Yeah, it would... It would um, it break your heart as well. Some stuff. Mm. Some days are hard because it's real. It's a real intimate setting. Yeah. Some days, like I'm doing a, a portrait of a child who's died, mm. bro. Like I've got three kids. Yeah. It's you can't help but take some of that home. You know, like. But what do you do with it? Is is up to you. I try and turn it into positive. I go home and hug my kids yeah. and play with them and just be thankful. Even when they're like pissing me off, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. Like <laughs> any parent will tell you that, you know, they just run rad. But then you're, you sort of appreciate it. So for me, maybe it's a like a reality check. Um, but yeah, you hear you hear everything. Like it's it's you're borderline counselor, yeah, and you got to be empathetic and no one to stop. Or sometimes you've had to. Just hug the customer. I remember, I remember tattooing somebody, and um, like I didn't really know much about their life. I was just tattooing them, and we were listening to obviously music, and a song came on, and they just started crying. Mm. I was like, that was quite my early days, and, I, and now I'm a bit more like int- intuitive. What do you call that word? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where I, I kind of sense what's going on. I'm just like, whoa. You're like, what the person Does tattoo look that bad? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And they're like, oh, this was my brother's song. He committed suicide. And I was just like, flip me. And uh, yeah, I think that was the first realization that like the simplest things can set people off. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's another story is... The opposite. I'd be quite. I'd be very empathetic, you know, and just just do what I got to do. I'm not going to say his name, but there was another artist that I've worked with before, and uh, a client started crying. <laughs> so bad. 
<laughs> the clan started crying, and he would be very rash, let's just say. Okay, right. Not swampathetic. Maybe more now. This was, this was maybe a decade ago. And uh, he just goes, he just goes, I don't have time for this. Are you serious? <laughs> and there was a swear word in there, you know, I mean, yeah, time for yeah. this. And, uh, and he just put his machine down and walked out. And, and, I, and I was like, I, I stood up and I, I had to say to him, like, you can't, you can't do that. You know, you can't, you got to, this person's paying, this, you know, for your art and something set them off you gotta just take care of them be there for them not just, not just like <laughs> I, you're not paying me for this yeah 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 yeah. yeah. that was his attitude yeah, you know i'm yeah. not getting paid I'm for not this your counselor, like, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 but you kind of are but that's something i already really respect about you is the fact that like you see what you do as an art which it is but even more than that like you see it as like your craft or like your calling like yeah. the fact that you block book your days like that tells me everything i need to know about you to be honest yeah because a lot of people will be like right let's cram it in let's get as many as possible yeah, let's get not, the bottom line pumping here not but it's so much money. so much more than that um and i i genuinely and i hope my customers will back me up but I, I genuinely believe that i've built real solid friendships with a lot of people i care about a lot of people at tattoo uh, uh there's a lot of people that i'd be devastated if I didn't see them again or if something happened yeah. to them you know I've, I've spent so many hours together and I know their life they know my life we chat together we you know we we share stories and and uh and I always try with customers to remember their life mm-hmm. so when they come in we straight back into well how's your wife how's how's the job yeah, going yeah. how you know and keep it intimate and keep it you know it's not just business it's um it's 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 building relationships and these people pay me a lot of money to get my art on them to wear it for the rest of their life. It's a big, big statement. It's the craziest canvas. Isn't it? You know, like they're willing to pay me all this money and they're saying, I like your work so much and I'm going to put it on my skin and I'll wear it until the day I die. Yeah. So you have to look at it. That's more than money. It's, it's, you know what I mean? It's not... It's not just a financial transaction, mm. um, and generally, with, with tattooing, they'll come back for more and more and more. And if you just treat them as as just money makers, um, it won't work. There won't be longevity. And like, if you even think about like other permanent marks on your body, say like a scar, yeah. Like there's always a story connected to that scar. Yeah. You know, there's always an experience. Yeah. And anytime you really look at that scar, it takes you back to that. In the same way, like the art that they look at, whether it's on their sleeve or wherever, will take them back for the rest of their life yeah. to the experience of being totally. done. So there's actually quite a lot of pressure on you to make that experience memorable. There's a lot of great, pressure, you know? but I like pressure. That's good. I do. I feel like I perform better under pressure. I think pressure is really important. Yeah. I think no pressure breeds complacency yeah but what's the classic diamond and what is it diamonds are formed under pressure yeah. 100% yeah um, I feel I feel like under pressure is when you separate the men from the boys sure who can stand up and perform and who can't and I've always just don't know I love pressure like I just yeah. love it I don't I don't don't, it's, don't ask me why but I, I just feel like it a switch goes in my head and I'm like right let's let's get let's get working so as a successful artist as a young guy family you've had all the success how do you walk the tightrope between 
putting yourself under a lot of pressure and then not like destroying yourself. Nah, man, I'm glad he said that. Because <laughs> that's, mate, that's, that's the thing that Do you know I what it is as well? I was actually watching on YouTube, watching me sort of videos, you know, about um, fatherhood or working. And it's a really fine line of working to be successful and being a successful father. Mm. It's a really, really fine line. And I don't know even if I'm getting it right. I can't tell you that. I don't think you could. I don't. I think if anybody says they they know they're getting it right. Yeah, if they're like, mate, see his fatherhood thing, crushing it. I feel like they're 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 they're, they're, they're just pretending. Yeah. It's something I think about every single day. Am I giving my family enough attention? But also, I'm the breadwinner. Yeah. It's I bring in all the money to the house. So important part of my fatherhood is providing food, shelter, catering for other needs. There's no financial stress. So I have to be out of the house mm -hmm. to do that. But on the flip side, kids don't care about money. Yeah. They care about <laughs> spending time with yeah. me. So I need to also make sure I'm home. And that's that fine line of not... Oh, if I just spend all... Okay, if I say, do you know what I've been a good dad is kids don't care about money. Let's just be at home. Okay, great. They're going to spend loads of time with me, but we're going to lose our house. Yeah. We're going to have no food to eat. We're going to have no hot water, no no heating. Is that being a good dad? I don't think so. You're, you're not providing for their their the bigger picture. If I just go and work twenty four seven, come back with loads of money, but don't give them the emotional needs from fatherhood, I don't I don't think that's good either. I feel I feel like it's it's trying to find that balance, and I'm working so hard on the balance. But like I say, I don't know if I'm getting it perfect. Yeah. I don't we'll never know. But I'm I'm trying my best and I'm I'm conscious of it every single day. Yeah. But what I can tell you for sure is I've I've messed it up in the past. Yeah. And that's when the whole addiction thing was going on, I, I was totally doing it wrong. And I know that for a high hundred percent. But I've learned from it. I'm trying to I'm trying to you know, balance it. So I, tr I try to lay out a, a basic work week, start of the week. This is what I'm going to work this week. This is what I'm going to earn. And af after that, I'll be home the rest of the time. Um, as you know, I'm sober now, four years sober. So I don't go out. I'm never in a bar. I'm never in a pub. I'm never in a club. I don't really socialize now. I'm happy just to, I'm in a real good place of contentment yeah. where I go to work, I live three miles from work. I go to work, do my day's work, and I come home and take care of the family. And I, that's, I feel like the start of the week, planning out, this is going to be my work time. Okay, I'm happy, that's enough. And then this is enough home time. Yeah. And it works, but try not to get too caught up in uh, earning too much. The other thing is, I, I, instead of focusing on upping my hours, I always focus on upping my price. That's it. So... so so I can always work a bit less. Mm -hmm. um, you can't just up your price for no reason. But what what I mean is, I'm, I'm constantly trying to get better at my job, get you know faster at it, get more economical with my time, yeah. so that I wouldn't. I don't want to work more. I want to work less, mm -hmm. but still be earning more. Less but better. Yeah, hundred percent, man. So less hours, but more money. <laughs> but you think about it, like how long have you been tattooing? Over a decade now. So, like, you think about, like, what you Although were charging. A few, them, a few of them years weren't... Um, <laughs> Highly weren't, productive. Weren't legal. Shall we say? Not legal. Not legal. 
No. So I didn't even know there was like a legal process. Do you used to get like certified? I mean, I've never done an apprenticeship. So my first few years tattooing was I lived in the council house. And I was tattooing in the back of my kitchen. <laughs> like, you know, a proper ghetto. My wife bought me a, a kit from eBay. It was the worst machines ever. Just tattooing my mates for free. What That's sort of started. stuff were you doing at that stage? Uh, crap. Like people's names, or like, were you doing even like? You'd be art? surprised. But, but I haven't. I, would, I mean, art would be a very loose term. <laughs> um, but do you know what? I owe them people everything. Yeah, they're all they're running about with like rubbish tattoos. <laughs> but that's that was the start of my journey, and I yeah. can't I can't forget them people. They're like, like your early investors, almost. Yeah, yeah, but people a lot of tattoo artists moan about people tattooing at home. They get annoyed about it. But what do you get annoyed about? Um, because everyone has to start somewhere. Yeah. And it's not the right way to do it. You should do an apprenticeship. But I couldn't get one. I tried and tried and tried. And I was getting knocked back and it was driving me nuts. So why did you want it? What? Why are we even looking for an apprenticeship? Like, why was this well style in, of art so appetizing so to you? in school... The only subject I got an A in my GCSEs was art. Yeah. So it was very apparent that that's what I was good at. Were you mainly a painter or a drawer or a sketcher or just? I like lo- uh, mostly I back then pencil. I love I just love sketching with pencils, black and white, and um, so. But I like I love making stuff too. I love the when you're art, you know, doing the clay and. Oh yeah. My GCSEs I had to make a big dress. Uh, it was just it was a well, subject we had to do. I didn't get a picket, but yeah. I smashed it. Like it was <laughs> art's art, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I just love um, making things, but um, I didn't go back to school. And you know the old thing: either back in the, back when I was younger, it was either go to uni or get a trade. Yeah, yeah So yeah. I went and got a trade. So I became a plumber, a qualified heating engineer, and it went well. To be honest, you know. But I was on the building sites, like freezing my ass off, and I remember just being like, "This is not for me." <laughs> and and I, I, I'd been getting tattooed from when I was fifteen, which is stupid as well. Like, but what was your first? <laughs> it, was a, it was a black scorpion on my back. Nice. Uh, no, it's not. How big were we talking here? It was like seven inches, eight inches. Yeah, it's thirty-five pound. That was the biggest thing I could get. For, I had thirty-five pound. Walked into the tattoo shop. And just found the biggest thing I could get for thirty five pound. It's gone now. It's lizard off. Yeah. Uh, it was. It was. It was. I mean, at the time, I thought it was really cool, and I thought it was really hard. Sure. It was like winter, and I was running with his wife beating vest on to show it off. <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, I remember showing my granny it, and she said, "Oh, what's that, love? Is that, is that a wee prawn?" Uh. <laughs> so, so ever since then, it got completely slagged off, and everyone called it wee prawn. So uh, it had to go. <laughs> it was it's pure like, but that was the start of the love. And I, I went back and got a few more around that age. And um, then when I was 18, so I was, at this stage I was an apprentice plumber. I was on like £100 a week. and Three scorpions. <laughs> Chinese symbols came after that. <laughs> but um, I was getting tattooed by a, a more well-established artist by this stage now, you know, a decent name in Belfast. And uh, I was paying him £100 an hour. And I, I was literally watching him tattoo my arm, and I was like, I can do that, 100% yeah. I can do that. And it took me a, lot, a long time from that moment to break into my first tattoo shoot. It was six years. But that was 
the really defining moment where I went, nah, mm-hmm. this this is what I want to do. It's awesome. And uh, everyone thought I was nuts. I quit my job as a plumber. At this stage, I had um, a kid, another one on the way. I was like, you know, doing doing my own work, you know, this, yeah. you know, what was considered a good job, you know, working for a really good firm. And uh, I just quit it. I was like, I got an opportunity, you know, to go work in a studio. My whole family had an intervention with me. <laughs> they were like, what are you, what are you having a midlife crisis and all? You know, like, what are you, why, you know, they, they just thought it was a nutcase. Yeah. But I just knew in my heart, I, I had to do this. Like, this was my dream job and I, I now had the chance and I took the risk and the gamble and went for it. And for me, it was either make it work or starve. And I think when it's, you've got them two avenues to go down, you'll make it work. As you say, the pressure. Pressure is, is was, the was enormous, but I, yeah. I, thri- I thrive because it was like, I have to make this work. So I worked my balls off day and night and, and it came off. And you'll see some people will, they'll not quit their job and they'll maybe do a wee bit of this job. My sister's a great example of it. She wants to um, be a photographer. Mm-hmm. Well, not Sorry, she is a photographer, but she wants to do it full-time, but then she won't leave her full-time job. Yeah. And I have told her over and over again, just walk away from your job and you have no choice but to make it work. And she won't do it, but she has a different mindset than me. She's very safe. And sure. Great girl, by the way. You know, like, she's, she's got a lot of traits that I wish I had. You know, yeah. so compassionate and very gentle and um, caring. But yeah. I have that wee bit of ruthlessness that I think in business you need. And God love her. I, I got blessed with all the self-confidence. <laughs> she had maybe lack a bit of confidence. She's very, very good at what she does. Yeah. But she doesn't see it. I'm like, just just go make it work. But I think that's key what you said, though. Like, I think so much of it is like, a, I don't know if it's a personality trait or if it's like a psyche or like something that you have or something that's developed. A guy really early on in my journey, he said to me that like, an entrepreneur is somebody who jumps off a cliff and figures out how to build a parachute on the way down. Totally. I, I love that. I remember reading a, a book and it said about if you get offered a job and you don't know how to do it, just say yes. Yeah. <laughs> and work it out when you get there. Yeah. And uh, I'd say there's a, a lot of people, a lot of people do that. Yeah. Um, look, if you want something enough, you'll, you'll make it work. This might seem a little bit left field, but I kind of feel like I need to get there because my head keeps circling around it. Broadly speaking, like, why do you think people ink themselves? Like, why do people get tattoos? Like, what's going on there? Because people have been doing it for thousands and thousands of years. It's not something new, but what is it about something in humanity that makes us want to do that? I think there's various reasons. Um... One reason would be brokenness. A lot of tattoos are for healing. So, like I said, talking about if you're doing a memorial tattoo, mm-hmm. that's part of your healing process and dedicating something to them. And another part, I find this with young men, is just to look a certain way. They want to look hard or they want to look sexy or they feel like it's more appealing to women. It's Sorry. I'll join you there. <coughs> I need to clear my throat out. <coughs> cut that, can you? <laughs> let's, um, let's call it for what it is. Um, other people, so this is f- for my own experience. Um, I'm possibly not comfortable in some of my own skin. Mm-hmm. So 
I only like the areas my body are tattooed. When I see a clean bit of skin, I don't like it. I feel I don't know. It just I don't I don't want it. So if my t-shirt lying down will be totally covered, and we're nearly there now. Yeah. Um. Some people do it just because they just want to stand out. In life, people don't like fitting in, and they like to look different. Like when I first got my hands tattooed many years ago, it was it was different. Yeah, it's the first thing I noticed about you today. Like, say hello, fist bump, and immediately right away you see it. And but it was so different when I got it done, and it was like I was really out there, and nobody, you know, it was. And that was one of the first people in this country to have like a realistic rose in her hand. Now everyone has it done, and then I feel like now I'm I'm back to being one of the old, like I'm. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, you're basic again. Yeah, yeah. I used to stand out, and then now I'm now now I'm like flip. I do these all the time, and people and and then, so. Um, but I, it's the same. You know, you see people get the big ears stretched yeah, for yeah, six yeah, foot yeah. Mohican. Or, you know, people like to be different. Yeah. And I don't I don't disagree with that. I think it's good to be different. I don't think in life we should all look the same, be the same, talk the same, act the same. Uh, you know, God didn't make anybody the same. Nobody's the same. So why would you not just be yourself? Yeah. And I feel like the because of social media and stuff, we're all does it like we're supposed to look a certain way or dress a certain way or buy certain things. And I just don't, I just don't believe in it. I think that um, we should just be ourselves. And if that means you want to dress really weird, go for it. Like I love when you see somebody just dressing like really weird. I'm just like, yeah, ah, respect. It's like, a fair play. Like you've you've confidence in your own skin to do that and. I don't look and be like, oh, look how he's dressed. I'd be yeah, like, yeah. No, I, I respect that, that he doesn't want to be a sheep. Says the guy sitting wearing all black here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm the most basic dresser. Do you know what? Like, everything I own, like, not everything, but 96% of my clothes is all black. My missus always complains, like, all my T-shirts, I think 95% of my T-shirts are black. Like. Yeah. Well, there's a guy came around my house and uh, my, <laughs> my washing line was out and it was a black wash. And he looked and he just went, he burst out laughing. He said, that's the most Willie G washing <laughs> line I ever saw. And I counted it. There were 16 just plain black T-shirts hanging there, nothing Brilliant, else. Brilliant. But I, I do it on purpose. I like dressing in black. Um, I just like it. It's not I'm trying to be anybody else. I, I think I look better in black. Um, I just like it. But if all my T-shirts are basically just black, then when I get up in the morning, it's an easy decision. I lift the next one on the rack. When all my trousers are black, whether it's chinos or a pair of jeans or like nice tracksuit bottoms, it's a very easy decision. Okay, am I am I wanting comfort today? Mm-hmm. Okay, well it's tracksuit bottoms, or am I wanting a bit dressy, or the jeans or the chinos? But either or, I don't gotta go looking for what they are. Boom, there they are. Boxers all black. Yeah, same. You know, and you're that the first decision in the mornings made very easy, and I actually think it's really important. Do you remember when you were a kid in non-uniform day? Oh, man. Like, you spent about three hours like, <laughs> trying to pick out some clobber. Yeah. That generally was just to impress a girl you liked or something, but um, it failed miserably. <laughs> but, you know, you, and then everyone was in, you know, but now nah, I don't have them decisions. It's just black trousers, black T-shirt, throw my black leather jacket, and away I go. go. And it's really cool. I've got a black coat. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, mate. No, you're you're literally preaching to the choir. Like, there's 
as you say, like removing those small wee decisions that can just trip you up at the at yeah. the start of the day. It's just so valuable. It's time is the most important thing in this planet. You can't get it back. You can't save it. You, we don't want to waste it on yeah. picking out clothes or totally. unnecessary things. It's just get up in the morning. Here's what I'm wearing. Um, my clients will back it up. You know, I pretty much. One day I came into work with not black trousers on, and everyone was laughing at me. <laughs> like, on, I, I just, I just took a wee, just a wee notion, <laughs> took a wee notion on ASOS one day, and I got a wee pair of uh, like uh, the right wee legs for the combat chino things, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like beige. They're like, what are you doing? <laughs> I walked in, they were pro- everyone was proper laughing at me, you know, like in the car, my, my apprentice, well, I, so I keep saying my apprentice, he's not, he's out of his time now. Uh, he just proper, was, he's like, I, I can't even like, take you serious today, uh, you know, and that just shows you, so yeah, everyone's yeah. just used to it. Yeah. Um, Carl, he's a, he's, he's something else, a great guy. I took him on f- for three or four years ago as an apprentice and my, like, I'd say my family, I don't know if I love somebody as much as him. Yeah. Um, he came in He came in at a bad time for me. I was going through like a few issues and I've been hurt by other staff and stuff and uh, I took him on and when I sort of promised myself I would never take anybody else on again and we took him on and I trained him up but he's not just like a, a work. I don't like even call myself his boss. He's like a best friend he's like yeah, a, wee, yeah. a wee brother to me yeah. when he came to me he wasn't on like, very good money and now you know he's he would earn over four figures a week and yeah. I love that and he works so hard he listens he's so easy to, to deal with and he's he's turning into a fantastic artist and genuinely so proud of him but it's so nice when like you can help somebody in life like that like you know I've helped them get here but I didn't think that I would could work with somebody and have that connection of like yeah, yeah. like brotherhood, you know. Um, unbelievable guy. Just that, as you said, like there's something so important about keeping your circle small. It's so small, but I I, I trust him with my life. Like yeah. I want to give him everything. I want him to be as successful as me. I want him to. I want him to be rich. I want him to be happy. I want him to, and I will do everything in my power to do that. And I think people, I think people, um, when they get successful, there's two different types of people. There's people who hoard mm. and want me, 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 and there's people who want to give back. So I done really well, and I got to where I've got to. But now I want to pull somebody up with me. Mm-hmm. I want him to have everything, and instead of me celebrating at the top of the table, and people feeding off the crumbs, I want him to be sitting beside me. Yeah. I think that's different. And if we, if we sing off the same hymn sheet, it'll definitely happen. Yeah. I mean, he's flying. He's, he's well on the way. Yeah. He's, I'm so proud. It's Was class. there ever like a tipping point for you? Like a moment or a season or a job where it happened and you were like, this is it, like things are moving? In what way? Ever a, a time whenever you you did one job or like a season of your life where you realised it was going to be a big success? No. 
That's a grasp, wasn't it? Always just a graft. Like, just building you know slowly, what it slowly, is? day by day. I consistent, believe consistent. there's a lot, especially with social media now, there's a lot of overnight successes. Yeah. But I don't think they last. And with my job, it's been such small victories along the way. Very small. When I first started tattooing, I set myself a goal, a massive goal, right, at the very top. But if you just look at that big goal, it looks so daunting. Yeah. Like, you don't think you can get there. So below that, you got to set maybe 20 to 50 tiny goals. So in effect, it's a ladder. Is that something that you you can share? Or is that something you keep private, your goal? Uh, I could share, but it's, it's unnecessary. I'll keep it to myself. Yeah, yeah. And I, um, no, I, I, I respect that. Um, we talked about it, but one of my favorite quotes is work hard in silence and let your success be your noise. And yeah. I don't believe in sharing everything behind the scenes. I agree. Um, you see these people now and Belfast is full of them. And, oh, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. It's like, just shut up. Just just, just, <laughs> just, just, just do it. Yeah. Don't tell me you're doing it. Or do you ever see this thing on social media, uh, an important announcement coming tomorrow? Mm. Why are you doing an announcement for an announcement? Just post the announcement. <laughs> Like stop, you know, it's just stop it. Yeah. Just, just stop it. The hype train. Yeah, just just tell me when you've started that business. I'll come around and support you, hundred percent. But I don't need forty five updates before it about what you're gonna do. You sh- I don't believe you should tell that. I, I think you should just keep things to yourself. But anyway, totally sidetracked. So for me, success is a ladder. You have a big ladder, and the very top is your end goal. Yeah. But you should set loads of small goals which is each rung of a ladder. Mm-hmm. And they should be fairly obtainable at a decent pace, one at a time. Oh, yeah. So you hit that first wee one, yes, right, okay. Yeah, you get a bit of momentum. I have now progressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might have been something stupid, tiny, but you progressed. Then you hit the second one, then you hit the boom, 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 boom. The next thing you look up and you're 90% away there and you look back and you think, wow, okay, this is this is happening. And you will get, and if you keep doing it that way, you get there. I set myself a five-year plan to hit that top target. I, I did it in the fifth year. So, and it it was, it 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 it's fairly unobtainable to most people. Yeah. So the fact that I did it in five years, when a lot of people won't do it in their lifetime, yeah. was was brilliant. But it then came with consequences because then I was kind of looking around, being like, "What's left? What now?" Yeah, totally. Uh, that was. A weird, maybe six, seven months of my life. The black I, I kind of felt a wee bit lost. Yeah, sure. I was so driven. Do you know the the best person I relate to with this was Tyson Fury? Mm. When he talked about becoming world champion, he spent his whole life trying to get there. Then he got there, and then it was like he just went off the rails with depression. And I, I did the same thing, you know, just went off the rails, you know, just get caught up in partying and ego, addictions, everything, because I didn't have that, like, focus anymore I'd, like, I'd done everything I wanted to do and um, so in effect now what I've done is I've set new goals and new ladders Yeah. but instead of one big massive ladder I've got about three different ladders going now so I've got it's a lot more things to work on it's not just tattooing now you know I've yeah. got my painting business um, which is going really well but 
it's a lot of hard work. Uh, the YouTube channel is launching here in January. Mm -hmm. um, we've been filming for like six months. That's hard as well because when you film and film and film, but you don't see anything, it's hard to stay motivated. It's like beyond delayed gratification. Like, oh, mate. Like, yeah. Especially as an artist who you move your hand and you see the fruit yeah, of your labor. And I have held content back from social media because I feel like I don't want to... I want it to be on the video yeah. and like some yeah some awesome <laughs> stuff and I'm like man when, and we were supposed to launch like before Christmas and just got uh, just like a life just yeah. a few wee delays and totally. I don't believe in rushing anything if I want to do something do it right but when it launches it's going to be worth it but yeah man delayed gratification sucks <laughs> it does but it's it's the key part of it isn't it but back to what we're, your sort of original point was, if the long. I feel like when you when you work hard for for years and years, and you're just having gradual success, at no point do you go, "Wow!" No, there was no big skyrocket moment. There was no big explosion. Um, and also, people don't realize because of my previous quote how hard I work mm. behind the scenes. They just don't realize it. Yeah. They don't know the, the sleepless nights I've had, nights staying up working, you know. I remember my wife getting up in the morning and she was getting the doing a breakfast for the kids and I, I was still painting. Mm. Eight in the morning, I painted like right through the night. You know what I mean? Like not many people have the desire to just fight through tiredness, hustle on. I was away at the weekend. I was tattooing a Premier League footballer, and I'm a, I'm a notoriously bad sleeper. Okay. Um. Yeah, I don't. I just is what it is. I've, I've been like that my whole life. I struggle to get to sleep. Um, my head hits a pillow, and like my brain just has a party. It's like, well, it just comes up with all these ideas. And, a lot of creative people are in the same. And like, I just can't write. I just have to get my notes out and write things down. And like, all my great ideas come from either in the shower or in bed. Yeah, I don't know what that's about. Uh, so, or else sometimes driving the car. Oh yeah, just chilling. Um, so I went to bed, and I was getting the first flight over to Birmingham. This was on Sunday morning. And I basically had my alarm was at four a.m. At two a.m. I was still awake, and then and I'm just like, oh my head, I'm like, right, this is this is a shambles. But anyway, I think I got about an hour and a half sleep. Alarm went off, and even between me falling asleep and my alarm, I woke up two or three times and checked because you're scared of missing your the alarm. I'm like, oh, I missed my flight, and then you look, it's like maybe you've been sleeping for like thirty <laughs> minutes. So I got up and smashed a bit of caffeine in me, drove to the airport, got on my flight, did my whole thing, and then get back to my hotel room to ten that night. But a lot of people can't do that. Yeah. Just hammer through back to that pressure thing, like, okay, I'm tired, but you know what? There's people who've been tireder than me. There's people out there, you know, in such awful circumstances, and I'm in the and I'm out here tattooing a Premier League footballer, and I'm going to bitch about being a bit tired. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nah, bro, it's not it's not going to happen. Yeah. So, obviously, I was fueled by Red Bulls, Monsters, coffee, anything I could get my hands on throughout the day. But you just get it done, and I don't think 
so but people when they'll see the picture being posted of a player just like oh wow look at that he he's had such a great time it's yeah. like bro i'm operating on no sleep and yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm fighting every urge to just i actually genuinely at one stage we finished tattoo and we're sitting watching football and i, I genuinely fell asleep we put on the sofa <laughs> and i remember it's been like Hey, this is <laughs> but that's what you were saying earlier like even Instagram versus reality of like you know that's the problem with the highlight reel is you just see the the great bits so you see the finished product and you don't see the blood sweat and tears it went see any it. really successful person yeah. nobody knows how hard they've worked yeah so true you don't get there without it but even you yourself like the amount of work you've done in your personal life to get to where you are today and to maintain where you are today yeah like, we can talk about it now, but, like, we will only scratch yeah. a fraction of what you have gone through. Do you know what? There's a lot of people who know my life story, like, like properly know it, and nearly everyone has told me to write a book. Mm. But I just, at the minute, I just can't. Sure. It's too much. Uh, to be honest in the book, I feel like it would hurt too many people. Yeah. And I wouldn't... I wouldn't um, put money ahead of, you know, I wouldn't do that for money. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I just don't think it's right. Stories, I don't want my kids ever to hear. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, they're cracker stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would certainly make a book worth reading. Yeah. But what, you know, what's more important, money or, you know, trying my kids, you know, the... the teaching right things so well let me ask you this because i'm sure you've thought about it you know we're all exposed to pretty much everything these days like take your drug of choice most of us have come across it in some shape or form whether it is like a classic drug like alcohol cocaine heroin any type of pill or whether it's something like pornography or video games or whatever. Man, see them second last two? That's an epidemic in itself. People, Bro, people don't talk about it. They don't talk about it. It's not, it's not spoke about and it's... It's destroying lives. Like, man, I mean, there's certain drugs sort of... Obviously, as you know, <laughs> I have my, <laughs> had my fair share of drugs over the years. Um, but um, certain drugs, you can't get away with hiding. Mm-hmm. But the scary addictions is the one people can't see. It's the secret addictions. The invisible Do you know ones. what's one of the worst ones? Gambling. Mm. People can't see it. Yeah. You can go on your phone and do it. You, you can do it anywhere in the world. Well, not anywhere in the world. Some companies is banned. But I mean, sure. you could go into, I know a story about a footballer. And I don't want to say his name. I don't think it's right. But, you know, he, he, he lost six figures and mm. just taking a dump. Yep. Went in the toilet, took a dump, come out and burnt three six figures on his phone. Like crazy. Like that's scary, you know, and you won't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? At least at least when I came out of the toilet after <laughs> <laughs> after smashing half a gram of coke. <laughs> and I was wired to the moon and yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. my eyes were like beacons. Yeah. And I didn't shut up. You had a fair idea I was doing something. Yeah. And my nose was running and Sure. But so why do some people have an an encounter with a drug, any drug, and walk away from it? And why do some people become addicted to it? Ooh. I 
suppose I can't speak for other people. But for you? Oh, I have an addictive personality. Yeah, well, clearly. <laughs> Everything I do, I want more. Yeah. Like, if I eat a biscuit, you best bet I'm nailing that the packet. The whole packet. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Mate, I can't have biscuits in the house. Yeah. Like, it's a, it's a petty do thing. You know, I eat the kid. I, I the can't kid. have it. Because I... if I have one, I have the whole packet. <laughs> it's a funny story, yeah. <laughs> I went to the shop and my kids had certain requests. So, one of my wee girls wanted a. You know, the, the the Oreo dairy milk bar or yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the one yeah. pound bar they're fantastic price by the way oh they're too cheap like, they're dangerous like, who's going to buy the wee one when that's a pound honestly. 70p for that no it was that pound <laughs> one mate. I want them extra grams of chocolate there and the other wee girl got a, a galaxy caramel which in my opinion is a great great choice of chocolate so I, I got a bit jealous and I was like oh, I'm going to get that too Yeah. so I got it and, and I ate mine and I'm oh, sorry you know what happened I went up to bed I wanted to eat it in bed, so st- but I didn't realize I stuck it in my pocket. Yeah, and oh, went- you didn't realize. Uh, <laughs> you know how that works. So I got upstairs yeah, and I was like, like, "I've got my bottle of water. Yeah, I've got my like my phone, whatever." I was like, "Where's that chocolate bar?" So I went downstairs and then lifted the which was my daughter's one, right? <laughs> and I made mean, a long story short. I just when I realized, I just nailed them both. <laughs> <laughs> like and I knew I was doing it I was like this is my daughter's chocolate bar yeah, she'll be, yeah, yeah, she'll be yeah, so yeah. upset this morning and I was like but I need more chocolate <laughs> and I honestly I just smashed both of them chocolate bars and then um, I in my head I was like right I'll, I'll, I'll pick her one up and she goes off she's not going to notice she'll go to school in the morning yeah, yeah. she won't be I'll replace it, it. No, we'll ever I'll know. replace it that yeah. was my exact mindset totally forgot to replace it she came home from school I was like oh because I and she went looking for a chocolate bar. And there she goes. She finds the two rappers sitting there. And she was like, hurting my daughter get my chocolate. Aww. So I took her to the shop and bought her two. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I know I had it, but look, you, you got a good deal. You know what I mean? That's what I had to do. I had to, I had to sweeten the deal. Like, yeah. So, but yeah, it was, it was, I'm very, very morey. So with drugs, even like when I was, no matter what it was, I would just want more. It didn't really matter. It, no, no. Alcohol, weed, you know, ease, coke, I did it all. And like, even in a bar, my wife used to crack up because she's so sensible. She would get a wee bit, she used to get a wee bit drunk and be like, oh, that's me. I would just get smashed. And, and then, do you know how you knew I was drunk in the past? I would proclaim how sober I was. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm not even drunk tonight. That means <laughs> that means I'm steaming. He's gone. He's that, far if, gone. If, if, if I'm yeah, saying yeah, yeah. that, it means I'm absolutely off it. And I'd be like, last orders in a bar, and I'd be like, right, fifteen shots. Yeah. She's like, why are you doing that? I'm like, because this is the last orders. Like, but you don't need it. We're going home. Yeah. I'm like, I know, but we just need to get more. No, and that it was totally stupid. Yeah. But that was just my mindset. The same with the, the same with the coke. The coke is like craziest, craziest drug in terms of how more shit is. Like, I, it wasn't like alcohol. It's alcohol you drink for a day and you're busted the next day. Yeah. Like, I would be doing coke like every day. Mm-hmm. Every single day. It was, it was so scary how, what my life had become. So I'd wake up in the morning. But generally, I hadn't even slept because I'd been on it. I would go into work I haven't slept because I've been on coke. All, you know, all, you can't sleep on it. And now I'm in work. I'm so tired. I'm, I was falling asleep. So in my head, I was like, how am I getting through today? Boom, I'm making another phone call. Got a wee handshake. Start you taking it again. 
I would smash my day. I would finish my day. My client would go home. I would sit there for an hour or so just by myself, just taking gear. Yeah. I would go home. I would just be doing it all night. Then I would try and take like some diazepam or something to come off of it, or smoke a bit of weed, or you know, and try to try to come down. But like, and then I still wouldn't sleep. And then I'd wake up. Not say wake up, you know, maybe like an hour or something, or you know, an hour and a half, and. And then I would just do it all over again, and this was like a, a vicious circle, and and it went from, you know, I used to enjoy it. It was like, oh, you know, have we took the night and we're all out, and you know, to, I mean, I wasn't even, and I think this is what people don't don't realize about addictions. And I was doing that heavy for a couple of years. I was not enjoying it. There was no enjoyment out of it. There was no buzz out of it. It was I was using that drug just to function, just to get me out of bed, like. It wasn't like, oh, look, well, he's partying again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it got to the stage, people, if, if I didn't want you to know, you didn't know. Mm-hmm. That's how well I could hide it. Like, because it, you weren't wired to the moon. You know what I mean? You were just... I, I, I'm four years sober, like four years last week. If I took a line of coke now, you would know instantly. Yeah. Because I would be wired. I would be talking. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was at the stage, you did not know. Like you did not know, I'd be around my parents, did not know, everything, you know, even my wedding day, you know, like nobody knew, it was just, it just, you're not off your face, mm-hmm. it's like a functioning thing, you just need it to get through the day. Yeah. And you see it a lot with like functional alcoholics, they go about their day's work, fantastic, they know what they're doing, they're, but but they're drinking a lot of, of alcohol, but they're functioning, and that's that's when it's scary, because... You're able to perform your your day without and without sort of people know, knowing there's an issue there. Yeah. Whereas at least when you're off your face, you, you know, right, time to go to bed or whatever. Well, it's like what you're saying about porn and video games. It's when it becomes invisible, that's when it's scary. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and it, and it, I think because it's there, just you. Whenever it's just you, it's a very lonely place to be. Yeah, and. Um, it's back to that phone thing, isn't it? Of you can do it wherever you want. Uh, I like seriously worry about like phones with kids and all now. Like we didn't have all that growing up. What did you? I was born ninety five. So what's that? Seven years older than you. So, you know, so I I I saw it all happen. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like I was born with pretty much nothing. Maybe like a few like VHSs and stuff. And then I saw like. You know, the iPod come in and the iPod touch and I saw like, you know, first major kind of mainstream gaming consoles yeah, come in yeah. and all that sort of stuff. We had internet in the house maybe from whenever I was about eight. Did you have that big like exactly. going wrong and cut you off yeah, at all? Yeah. 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 Good days though. I MSN. Yeah. MSN every night. ASL. Coming home <laughs> coming home from school and just MSN and everybody it did. all night that you were yeah. you would have uh, good seen days the whole though. Day. Throw the, old, throw the old webcam on if you're feeling mad. <laughs> Simpler times. Remember having to actually call for your friends? Knock, actually having to knock their door? Yeah. My mum used to embarrass me. There was two... Uh, in our group, there was two bullies. So we got called our second names for for com- avoid confusion. And my friends used to come and knock the doors, Grattan in. <laughs> and my mom was like, there's nobody in this house called Grattan. <laughs> oh, shut up, I'm coming, I'm coming. It's like about football bits on. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, I, it seems like, a, you know, 
seems like a different planet now. Yeah, but do you know what? Like, do you, do you remember growing up and any friends having depression? No. I don't. Do you remember having weird feelings yourself back then? No you know? more than what was considered normal, like? Yeah, it's just, like, if, now I, I think the social media, the phones, the the gaming, there's a lot to answer for the mental health, yeah. 100%. I agree with you. Um, I think if we... So, I'm a big fisherman. That's my... Didn't my, know that. That's, I, that's my big... So, when I went sober... Um, when I was I was really struggling at the first month, like really really struggling. Well, give me give me just a missing piece before you would go into fishing. Why get sober? Um, like what was the either that or you know being a coffin? Yeah, that's exactly where I was at. It was there was just a crossroads moment of and like was that you yourself? Did you end up in hospital? Was there an intervention where it's actually like you're no. like you're gonna die, lad? Like I'm really weird. Like I don't like listening to people. <laughs> I'm very stubborn, yeah. and it has to be my decision. If you told me to go sober, doesn't matter who told me, it wouldn't have worked. I had to make that decision. Mm. But once I made that decision, I'm very stubborn. But I was having a real hard time, and I remember. Um, did you do you remember Miami Inc? Yeah. Well, I, I would work out there a lot, and. Um, I'm very close with Ami. As much as I don't see him a lot, he's I classify him as a very close friend. Sure. He's very it's like a brother you pick up with when you see him. He's very see if you're in his team, he look after you. Yeah. You know, that sort of way. He's very loyal. And he had obviously heard I was having a few issues, so he phoned me. Legend. And he well, what's going on with him? So I just told him the truth. It's like, bro, you know, I've messed up and got caught in his trap and just explained the truth. But being in Miami, bro, he's seen it all. Yeah, of course. You know, it's nothing he hasn't seen. So he spoke to me and he says, Willie, you need to find out in life what it is you love to do and do it all the time. That's what's going to help you. And he said, it's when his circumstance is surfing. Yeah. He surfs all the time. That's his passion. Yeah. And like growing up, I played football my whole life, mm. you know, and, um, you know, I played at a decent level, you know, I played for Northern Ireland teams and all, and, and that was my focus and my love. And then at 21, I retired and didn't kick a ball again. Yeah. So I went from having a hobby to not ever having a hobby. And it was just work, 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 work. So I had to, th- obviously I'm too old to go back to football. So I had to reevaluate. And I was like, right, what, I, what did I like to do when I was younger? Because that's when you were happy. You know, that's when you're, when you're pure, you're, you're, you're just, and I loved fishing. I always loved fishing. So I started back fishing and it was the best thing ever done. And um, I, I love it. Do a lot of fly fishing. Um, got pretty good at it, you know, because back that mentality, I just want to get better. <laughs> yeah, I'm obsessed yeah, yeah. with like getting better. Yeah. And fishing's my reset. So even sometimes, look, nobody's perfect. Sometimes I'm having a bad day, and my wife's brilliant. You know, she'll be like, "Look, when you go fishing for a few hours, yeah, she knows what the, what that'll do to me." Yeah. So when I go fishing, um. The phone goes on silent or else turned off. I, I'm not, my rule is no electronics. And I stand there and the water's around me and the trees, the birds, the insects, the, the, the nature noises. 100%. And it's a total reset. And I come back like a new man. It doesn't matter if you catch or not. I come back a new man. I think it's just being out in nature. Mm-hmm. And that's what's taught me that this wee, this wee device this phone yeah six foot 
or six inch drug dealer is killing people yeah um and that's that's what's scaring me because that's all my kids want is phones yeah and it's like we're the first generation to get them Mm -hmm. i'm the first generation of who grew up with no phone and then got the phone they're the first generation to not know what a, not having a phone is. They don't know. So I think we're a bit open-minded to not liking them because we were like, yeah, we remember life before phones, which was actually pretty awesome. Yeah. They're like, oh, we don't have a phone, we're going to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and it's like, it's it's so scary. That's my phone there. Oh, maybe were... a drug dealer? Yeah. <laughs> Looks like a burger, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's definitely a burger. How many SIM cards you got? I've two. <laughs> uh, uh, you're definitely, so what do you sell? <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> Nothing anymore. <laughs> Not a phone anyway. <laughs> uh, no, you're just right. You're just right. I, but it's, I, it's, you know, it's the fact that you've got 24-7 access to your drug, your yeah, digital drug, you know, whatever it is, whether it's, you know. I, um, one time I unfollowed everyone on Instagram, <laughs> right, and... Do you know what it was really weird? The amount of people that have an app that tells them you've unfollowed them. Really? I was getting message after message, and like, yo, we okay, bro? Yeah, like, why did you unfollow me? I'm like, what? How do you, how do you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I just did it. Well, I didn't even do it. My daughter did it. I paid her twenty quid because it was like two thousand profiles, and I was yeah, not yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. many times. Yeah. So I paid her to do it, and it actually blocked me after a while because I was doing it too many, too much. So I had yeah. to go back the next day and do the rest. Um. But what that was, it was it was a, it was a, a, a realization moment where I was on my f- phone and I was on, I was just addicted to going through you know the story videos on Instagram. Yeah. I was going through the videos and videos, and then like things were really like annoying me, like, sh- like things that shouldn't annoy You're me. Getting triggered, yeah. Like, so, like look at this, you know, and you know people in real life and they're acting a certain way, and and Belfast is full of it, and and you're you're just like, or if people are doing certain things or saying certain things or just absolutely lying or. Mm. It was just like I was getting angry at like, and I shouldn't have been getting angry. And then one day I realized like, why am I doing this? Like, why am I watching these videos? Why am I putting myself through? You're consenting the pain. Yeah, like like I don't have to watch this. So, for anybody listening, and I unfollowed you. It's nothing personal. It's just I made a decision that day to stop looking at other people's social media, Mm. and that's all that is. I need social media for my job. Yeah, it's an important part of my advertising. So I can't get rid of it. But what I can do is totally control the hours I spend on it. Mm-hmm. So now on Instagram, I go on, I post my f- photo of my tattoo or whatever it is, and then I pretty much log off. Sure. There's, nothing, there's nothing for me to look at. If you go into my homepage, it's just my stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's nobody else's stuff. That's all that is. That's nothing personal. It's a good t- I've never actually heard that technique before it's smart i need to keep it but i need to keep my distance yeah. my personal facebook i just deleted the app yeah i never even made announcements people this was like four <laughs> years four years ago i'd love to see how many birthday comments i've had <laughs> 24 million like, happy birthday william everyone just thinking i'm so rude i haven't been back on it yeah. um the facebook business profile is a lot easier because there's no feed yeah so again i just post what i need to post and that's it and that's what this is about. It's about just trying to limit um, the time I spend on social media. And back to we spoke earlier, but time is so important. I need to spend my time either bettering myself 
or with my family. That's, it's a small circle, you know, why would I, because you add all those wee 15 minute, you know, Instagram scrolls up throughout your day. You know, you, it's easy to put away two hours a day yeah, on complete strangers. Do you, do you exercise or anything? Yeah, mate. Do you ever knock, do you ever, like, I think exercise is really important. So I, I bit my tongue earlier whenever you talked about hanging up the boots at 21. Um, I'm reading loads of stuff on addiction at the minute and there was a study and it was like, if you don't exercise, you stop exercising, your uh, risk for addiction shoots, like, absolutely yeah, skyrockets. Yeah. Skyrockets. Because your body naturally sorts itself out by movement. Yeah. And you stop that, even your brain and all. Just well, my new, I didn't train for a few years there, and I, I could really feel my mental health suffering. And this new house I bought, I, I put a gym in it, awesome. and it's so good. But how many times have you have you not found time to train a day? Oh, yeah. Like, I'm the guiltiest person of yeah. it. And then you lift your phone up and, yeah, you, and, and you're... Three hours, screen time. Three hours, bro. I've, I've lifted my phone up and seen like seven, eight hours. And, and then you're just like, right, so this is this is apparent an issue that, yeah. you know, you're just lying about sitting on your phone. Um, the only bad, time it, I think a, it's acceptable is when you're when you're on a toilet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not reading no shampoo bottle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely going online. Yeah. Some people think it's gross, but we all do it. No, we all do it. <laughs> we all do it. Yeah. But no, the um, the screen time thing is it's, it's a problem I'm having with my eldest daughter. Mm-hmm. Like you, you have in the room, it's like no time. I'm like, give, her, give me your phone. Yeah, look how many hours you've been on your phone the other day. Yeah, and you were in school half the day. Yeah, so what are you, what are you been doing? You know, and I think it's really important. Um, I'm actually going to look now at um, to find an app you know that can cap it for. Mm-hmm. So if you hit a certain time, then boom, you're not you're not allowed on it anymore. I think we got to be really protective as parents over this stuff. And try and I have a wee chat with you off mic whenever uh, before you leave. I use a couple of stuff even now. Like I was a porn addict for seven years, and so even to this day, like I've used like a lot of tools that I use like back in the day to help me get sober from that. I still use today to protect myself from like. So I just made a decision like even last year, like I'm not going to watch YouTube anymore. I'm not going to wa- I'm not going to go on Reddit. Because they were just big time sucks for me. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so, like... Man, YouTube is a rabbit hole. YouTube is, is, you know, you could spend your life on YouTube. It's semi-related videos get you. Oh, mate, it's it's killer. It's stuck on them conspiracies. and Yeah, and it's just, it, it, it keeps serving you exactly what you want, you know? Well, I tried to explain that to my daughter. She was in a bad way. Well, not bad way, but she was sort of in moods and stuff and she's on that TikTok yeah. and after a while I just I just took it off her phone I was like you're not on that anymore and instantly the mood changed in the next yeah. few days yeah. and I tried to explain to her it was like these apps are designed for you to be addicted to them they're designed to suck you in and yeah. keep you in that hole because the more stuff you watch the more money they make free advertisement yeah. that's how it works it's a business and you're the pawn yep. you have to see it for what it is they want you to go on and be sucked into... I mean, that's why videos autoplay. Yeah. That's why if you had to physically hit play for each video, you wouldn't do it. You'd watch a video and you'd go. But next thing, oh, TikTok's the worst for it. You know, you just next, yeah. another video, another yeah. video, another video. And it's scary. But it's, ar- it's archaic to talk about it now. But like when Netflix started doing that like 10 years ago, like it was like, can you believe it? Can you believe it just per- plays the next Friends episode or whatever it is? Yeah, you don't yeah. need to get up to do it. Bro, I need that. Yeah. Lying in bed. But I like the whole three episode cutoff. Mm. It's important. That's right? cool. Yeah. Because, well, for a man like me who doesn't sleep, I'm, re- I'm regularly having a head continue watching. <laughs> but if you do fall asleep, it's never too, it doesn't go too far ahead. Yeah. 
But yeah. um, how'd you get sober from the gear? Like, so, would you would you like primarily have said that like your drug of choice was cocaine, or were you just yeah. kitchen sinking it? No, the the my so like I don't drink alcohol anymore. Yeah, me neither. But I wasn't addicted to it. If that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. I'm just scared of my the, the, my main addiction was was coke. Yeah. I loved the gear. Like, just loved having me feel blah blah blah. But I also became an asshole on it. Like, oh, flip me. Like, I'm mad I changed. Like, when I look back and see things or hear things, like, it makes me squirm. I have become real. There's a lot of people I don't haven't spoke to since I was addicted to it. Yeah. And it makes me sad to think that that was their last impression of me. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? I know exactly what I mean. I was, I was like, ruthless. I was ego-driven. I was self-centered. I was... But it does that to you. Mm-hmm. I wanted what I wanted, and, and that was it. And some people haven't spoke to since, and that's that's. They probably think that's the same person, but it, it's not. And I'm massive, massive believer in self evaluation. Mm. I'm 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 over critical of myself. I love looking in the mirror and evaluating, like who are you? Are you working the steps? Are you on a recovery program nah, still? I didn't do anything. You, you didn't do anything. No, I'm not saying I'm not for it. No, like, just I, I just only say because I know it's it's like one of the big things. Yeah, no, I, fe- I feel like it helps and people going back and like asking for forgiveness from people. And yeah. I feel like if it helps people, brilliant. Do it. Do whatever it takes. Oh, you do do whatever it takes to get. Sober. Like, I don't care what it. Yeah, is. who cares? If, what if it doesn't is. hurt somebody and it helps you yeah. get it done. Yeah. But for me, back to I think because of I became I got successful through my own hard work. Yeah, yeah. I, in my head, I was like, well, I I. Don't want to be relying on anybody to help me get sober. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do this myself. Um, but then there's a lot of other things along the way. Like I, without shadow of a doubt, I made the decision to go sober. And I did the first few months. But I firmly believe my faith keeps me sober. Mm-hmm. I firmly believe there's a layer of protection around me. Do you know what I mean? And there's some people who don't believe that they don't... They won't, they won't understand this. I made the decision to go so, sober, but I give God the credit for keeping me sober. If that makes sense. You know, I wasn't going to church when I made the decision. But a couple of months later, you know, so basically when I went sober, it was hell. I mean, hell. Because I've had depression two years I've been taking gear every day completely mm. masking this depression which just constantly put me on a high yeah. so I'm not letting the depression affect me yeah, yeah, yeah. it's trying to kick in I'm just like see you're you just later. running yeah. I'm just like give me a couple of lines see you later I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. buzzing again yeah. so then when you go sober um, do you know what man do you know who's do you know who played a big part in it Joe Rogan yeah really weird because he, he did me. this he did this challenge it was like a 30 day challenge so you had to do 30 days of no drugs no yeah. drink no and I was like at the time, I was like, right, do you know what? I'm going to give this a go, right? And I think this helped me because it wasn't a definite thing. I was like, but at the end of 30 days, I can go back on it, mm. right? The 30 days, let's try and sort myself out. And I did the 30 days, and it was hell because I went from using to now nothing. And I wasn't, I was, no, I was taking coke, I was smoking weed, you know, I was doing a few things, you know, and all of a sudden, I have nothing. Mate, even if you even if you were to give up, like for the average Joe, if they were to give up, like social media, I don't know, caffeine and sugar, they'd have a bumpy month. Like, yeah, it'd yeah. be real tough. Yeah, yeah. Never mind. 
There's a lot of, you know, my mum's a really stubborn person and I get that personality off her, but I thank her for it because if it wasn't for that stubbornness, I wouldn't be sober. Yeah. I'm not a weak person. You know, I'm, I'm a very, if I say something, that's it. It's, it's happening. And I look at things like a fight. So yeah. I wasn't going to let something beat me. But the difference was I was in the mindset now of, right, I'm going to do this for 30 days. So what was that month like? I mean, brutal. My fingertips were dripping with sweat. Serious. I've never witnessed sweating like it. Like it was horrible. I was totally uncomfortable. Couldn't sleep. Having nightmares. My body just sweated the whole time. Like it was disgusting. Like I, I, that I've never seen it. Like I lift my hand up, my fingertips were dripping. Couldn't hold my phone. Couldn't. It's horrendous. But that changes a bit. Two weeks. It's like a two weeks withdrawal thing. It was after two weeks, it just changes. Did you have but to was, do like? Go to a rehab or no? I didn't do anything. Didn't do anything. Mate. Just me, locked myself away. Major man. I know, mate. But it's good because that's what you needed to do. You got to do what you got to do. I'm prouder of it, mate, because nobody helped me through it. I just did it myself, you know. And I feel like it's a better story for people out there to, to hear. Like, as I say, if if you want to go to rehab, brilliant, do it. If you want to go to a, a, a program, brilliant, do it. Yeah. But also, just know that if you just want to knock this thing in the head, just do it. You don't. You don't necessarily need these things. It's your decision, and it's back to that. I'm not going to let this thing beat me. Like I'm not. I'm not a weak person. I'm not. You know, at the t- when I was using, I didn't care. I didn't want to stop. Mm. That was a different. No man didn't want to. And then when I decided, right, enough's enough. And then, um, but that month was hell. That led us into. The, so that would have been then. It led us into December, and then it was like, right, okay. And do you know what the funny thing is? After 30 days, my wife had bought me a six-pack of Corona <laughs> to celebrate yeah. for completing yeah. 30 days. Because nobody thought, I, I never planned to go, it wasn't ever meant to be for life. Yeah. And then I, at the end of 30 days, I looked at them and went, I'm going to do another 30 days. Wow. I was like, I want to I do another 30 days. Yeah. And this was a bigger test because it was over Christmas. Mm. And it was over... Um, we were Frampton fight on Belfast, and I always got steaming at them. <laughs> so I was now a driver and all, and, and uh, it was actually a disaster. I felt like everyone know because they're all pissing me off in the car driving sure, home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. McDonald's and all, and then they're all messing about yeah, being and sober. Awful. Is the word. I don't be around drunk people now. I just don't do it. So I did another 30 days. I'm like Cinderella. See, after a certain time, I'm away home. Like, I, I'm not, made, uh, I call myself Houdini. <laughs> don't even say bye. I just sneak out the back door. Yeah. So we. Um, we uh, did another 30 days, got through Christmas, which I thought was probably the biggest test. Mm. And um, this led me into January now. But see, but now, man, I was so, so struggling with mental health. So now I was, you know, I've done two months for no pick-me-ups. And winter January doesn't, winter general, doesn't help. Brutal. Yeah, it's just, it's cold, it's miserable. I was really struggling. And, man, I, I needed... I needed help. Mm. Like, I needed help. And back to, you've heard me saying about being a strong person and I, I don't accept help very well. And people offer me help for different things all the time. And I just tell them the truth. Look, I'm not great at accepting help. Yeah. The fact that I reached out to my wife, I says, Kai, I need help. Um, that shows that I was suicidal. And I've lost six friends to suicide. And it's, it's, it's brutal. Like, and, it leaves a, a trail of devastation, and I didn't want to be that person. You know, I don't want to hurt anybody. I didn't want to be there anymore, but I didn't want to hurt anybody either. 
and my kids were a really important part of me staying alive. You know, I wanted to <laughs> get a bit emotional here. My kids are really, you know, I'm, I'm just obsessed with them and I didn't want to be that dad, you know, who just quits. So, whew, my wife booked me in this counsellor and uh, I went to see him, mate, and um, it was horrible. Mm. And I drove to his house and he was sitting there all flipping snobby and up his arse and he just spent the whole time talking about himself. It was like the first, I don't know if it's what they do or something, but I'd, I'd never been to one before and I'll, I'd never, I'll never go back to one, but... He just was like telling me all about his degrees and what he specialises in. I'm just sitting there the whole time being like, Man, I just need you to shut up and listen to me for a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and it wasn't like, I just needed to get stuff off my chest. Yeah. Like, I had a lot of just demons. I just, just, I could have went and talked to a homeless man probably to help me. Yeah. Just sit and listen to me. Mate, here's, here's a couple of quid. Just just let me get this all out and don't, <laughs> don't judge me. It's not a bad idea. You know? And... Uh, that day, I never. I, I he didn't really let me speak until the very end. Um, what really annoyed me was he then turned around and said to me at the end, "You know, you're a bit scatty. Are you sure you're sober?" And I was like, "Are you are you joking me?" I was like, "Of course I'm scat because I'm sober. That's yeah, why yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going through withdrawals." You know, he goes, "I don't think I'd be willing to see you again unless you went to AA meetings." And then I was just like. So I lost a rag and I just cut the 50 quid out and I just threw it at him. Yeah, yeah. And I stormed out. I remember just getting into the house or the car, sorry, and I just, I just cried. Yeah. Just cried. Because in my head, I was like, I need this guy's going to fix me. Yeah, yeah, and I was yeah, pumped yeah, up yeah, to yeah, go yeah, and get yeah. fixed. Yeah. And I was just like, whoa, this, yeah. is, this, is, this is it over. So I went back to the house and just told Carrie the, the truth. And I was like, this didn't work and I can't go back to him. I'm going to kill him and blah, 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 blah. And just hated him and... I don't want to kill him, but just that, that feeling of just like, 100%. I want to rip his head off. You yeah. know, it didn't, uh, I can't go back there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, just by chance, you know, the church, close, the, the local church has a Wednesday night service. And this was Wednesday. And she said, why don't you try church? <laughs> if all head, else fails. And in my head, I'm like, now we actually went a few, about 10 years prior for about six, seven months. And we just stopped going. This life got in the way, you know, just yeah. young and whatever. And I was like, do you know what? I was so desperate for something that I was like, I will give this a go. And I know people will look and say, eh, it doesn't work and they don't know. But you don't know till you've been or you've been in my shoes. And don't tell me what's real and what's not real if you haven't witnessed what I've witnessed. So I went to church that night and me I just had this supernatural encounter where the minute I walked through that door, I just felt that burden lift off my shoulders. And I've been depressed since. It was four four years ago. No, sorry, I'll be coming up to four years this January. I haven't felt depressed since. Um, and I sat beside this guy called Gary. And at the end of the service, he looked at me and went, what happened to you? He'd been going for years. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I saw it. He's like, you, you changed the whole, like you just... He goes, I want what happened to you. I want that. He And later on, you know, I found out it was the Holy Spirit just came on me, you know, and just, just did what it had to do. And then I just came in a broken man and I left and, and a new person. And and um, it was kind of funny. I sat beside him because I ended up doing prison ministries. I go, I go into the prison. I, I, I go into Hyde Bank in McGabry and do talks and stuff. And 
I do it all voluntary. But I, I, I ended up doing it, me and him do it, you know. So it's kind of kind of cool. He was there from the start and, and sort of saw that. And um, yeah, I've been going ever since. But we don't have time today. But since that, I've had like numerous and numerous and numerous supernatural encounters with God where like I'm sold. I don't need to argue with it. I don't care. If you don't believe, don't believe, but you're not going to convince me otherwise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, but I understand those who wouldn't believe. I'm sympathetic. I'm so fortunate that I've had supernatural encounters where God's proven himself. And I don't like to say proven himself because you're not supposed to, but things have happened where, you know, I shouldn't be alive. That's that's the truth. And, and numerous times I've been saved and I can't go back on it now. And sometimes... I haven't been there maybe for God, but he was always there for me, yeah. you know, and it's humbling when, because we don't, we forget sometimes and we, you know, you get sidetracked and you you start doing wrong things and, but it was, uh, it was an amazing experience and everyone always asks me about the, the sober thing and, uh, and then they get annoyed when I tell them that bit. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, they, they want the, they want all the success of like going to church, but I'm like, but, that's a big part of this is so after that night that's when I felt it everything eased up so up until then I was still battling with addiction yeah yeah I don't battle anymore it's not a battle yeah you could put it out in front of me now I'll just I'll just blow it up yeah blow it on the floor it's gonna waste a lot of money <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's not it's not it's not like I won't nothing in me will think maybe I should do that yeah I won't do it yeah. I won't do it and um and in this four years, I've noticed a big, big change in my heart. Like slowly, 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 there's been wee changes and there's wee things that I used to do that I just can't do anymore. Wee things have happened that, you know, stuff that I used to do not feel guilty about. Now I, I, I like, I'm so ashamed. That shows that there's. Yeah. So they, they say, some people say, oh, I need to change and go to church. It's like, no, no, no. Go to church and let the Lord change you, let Him make the changes. At the time, when I, at the end of my addiction, my marriage was failed. I was living on my own. Now we've just bought a new house. My marriage is honestly, I can say this, the best it's ever been. Mm. My relationship with my kids, the best it's ever been. Look at my relationship with Carl and work. You know, I've never had so many, like, he's, like I say, he's my wee brother, my best friend, you know. I just love him, you know. And I look and I see these changes around me of all these good people that I just love and I know they love me and, that's that's part of that journey. Like that's like I owe a lot of that to 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 God. And and if people want to laugh, laugh. But I think it's really me who's laughing. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> because it's it's been you know, my life's worked out good, and yeah. and I just want to help other people and um and spend a lot of time like people. After like, these types of podcasts, you usually find them on social media. People start reaching out to me and asking me questions. And I always try and help as many people as I can. I can't help everyone, but sure. I try my best to give to give a wee bit back. And if, if one person can, their, their life can get better through this, amazing. And even since then, um, I have to give a shout out to the Northern Ireland. It's like the Elite Academy. So it's like... Um, from 14 to 16 years old now if you're in like that Northern Ireland setup, and if you're happy you leave your house and you go live in Jordanstown University so the it kids me a while there for talking about football yeah 
the kids arrive on Monday morning, go to local schools, and then afterwards they you know, eat healthy food. They train every day with like these are top top coaches. Yeah. They do psychology. They do weight training. You know, and and then on a Friday night they go home, play for a club on the Saturday, spend. And what this means is when some of these kids get a move to England or Scotland at sixteen, they're they're ready, they're fitter, they're faster, they're stronger. They don't get homesick as much. Mm. Dale Taylor just played for a Northern Ireland first team. He's the first kid that he's only seventeen. He's just came through that system. He played in that system, so it's proven it's working. And um, but then few it was already established for a few years, and then one day I got a message um, from a guy I'd never even met before, and. Uh, I got invited to be the chaplain, so I'm not a chaplain for that. So it's kind of a full U-turn. I'm back in football, but in a in a Christian-based role. So funny. So all I all I am there for is mental health. Um, I go once a week, and if the boys want to talk to me about anything, I talk to them, and I'm allowed to keep stuff confidential from the manager and all. And you know, all thing is, if the boys mentally aren't aren't happy, mm-hmm. they won't perform on the pitch. Yeah. But I also played in them same teams. You know, I had the bad injuries. You know, I had the setbacks of, of getting across the England. You know, I've had, I've had the setbacks of maybe not getting picked for certain teams. Sure. Been through it all, literally at all. Anything these kids go through, I've been through it. Mm-hmm. The addiction side of things. So um, I've got a lot of life experience where I really believe I can help these boys. And yeah. again, it's voluntary. And I think when people realize it's voluntary, their guard lowers. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, this guy doesn't have to be here. He's not getting paid to be here. He's here because he wants to be here. And I think that's the big difference. And um, I love it. And if I can just help a few of these kids along the way in a career, brilliant. But it's uh, it's a great system. Great. We're so lucky. Only three countries in the world have it. Wow. It's a, it's like an, a UEFA program and they had to apply for it. Israel got, got it, Northern Ireland. And I can't remember the other one. But um, we're, we're blessed, and it's a great thing. But I never ever thought I'd be back involved somewhere in football, especially in a like a faith based yeah, role. Yeah. But yeah. look, it's one of these ones. Um, teams of prisons, like I love going to prisons. Do you do that with prison fellowship, or no? Me, if I told you, like it's it's all really weird. Like it's back to this thing. Like I feel like sometimes God opens doors. Yeah. And I just walk through them, and they say I don't know what I'm doing, and just I just wing it. And yeah. um, this whole prison thing, like, there's, there's times I like I don't know how it's happened, but I'm just walking about them. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I shouldn't yeah. the the doors shouldn't shouldn't have opened as easy, but it did. So my job is just to to walk on through. And yeah. um, a lot of people, man, like, honestly, like, see especially the young offenders one. Like people just look at these kids and think, oh, you're a scumbag, blah, blah, blah. But have you ever heard their story? Mm. And some of these kids, mate, I wish I could I could adopt them. Because yeah. they, they've just had such a crap start to life. Like, it's not their fault, you know. Don't get me wrong, some have had good starts and chose the wrong path. Other kids just made a poor decision once. They're not bad kids. Mm. Um, but one kid in particular I remember talking to and... I just remember, like, when I left, I cried in my car mm. for him. It's just like, what chance did he have? You know, his upbringing and his... Just... He just had a... It's making me emotional thinking about it, but he, he just had no... He had no chance. Mm. How can you look down on him? 
know. What was he supposed to do? You know, he, you know, he had nothing. You know, and how many of us would resort to crime to feed our families if we had to? Everybody. Do you know what I mean? To make you a bad person, we were talking about earlier, you know. So, in his case, it wasn't his family, but it's himself. So, I feel like these wee roles have become involved and in, they offer me a lot of, um, oh, I don't want to say satisfaction because it, it sounds wrong, but in a way, it, like, Meaning, uh, do you know yeah. what? Fulfillment. Yeah. So, if I've been through addiction, you feel ashamed, mate, you do. But then when you help somebody, it, 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 the shame goes away. You feel like, well, I got through it. If I've helped somebody else get through it, well, then that takes away my 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 pain of shame. Yeah. Um. If I can stop somebody from you know making a bad decision in life, then I think well maybe I was meant to go through this, and that's why I didn't end up in the coffin. Yeah. You know when other people did and other people did way less than I did and didn't make it, and you sometimes feel guilty about that. Yeah, but, big time. But if I just use all my um, experience and, and, and hide it, it wasn't worth it. Whereas if I use all everything I've been through and um, help people, then I think that everything I went through was was meant to be. And mm. um, I don't really regret anything now. I just feel like I've, I struggled for a few years, Matt, I beat myself up, like really beat myself up the money I spent, and <laughs> that's a whole other figure. Like you know, like you buy a nice house with what I like spent in two yeah, years, yeah, yeah. and really struggle with you know people are hurting and all, and then and then I, last year or so, I, I just I just let it all go, and I realized the good I've done from it, and and um, I can't change what I've done, but I can just be a good person going forward mm-hmm. and I've sort of you know read a lot of scripture and stuff and we're not supposed to just beat ourselves up for the rest of our lives that's not that's not godly that's that's what you would call the devil attacking you you're trying to tell you you're not good enough you're still a scumbag look what you did you know and that's not coming from above that's coming from below mm. when um it's done, I beat it, it's over I shouldn't be in a way I should be looking in the mirror my chest pumped out and be like, you did it you know, and um, that's where I'm at now I've stopped looking back now, I only look forward Mm. and help as many people as we can along the way lift as many people up as I can along my journey and whatever will be, will be but I don't I don't put it like this I only want to look back to see how far I've come. I think that's a better way to put it, yeah. rather than to, to to beat myself up. And for that, I feel like I'm in a good place mentally now. I really am. I'm enjoying life. You only get one. Uh, do you know what? I'm enjoying the simplicities. Yeah. I feel like the simpler my life is, the happier I am. Yeah. My life used to be mental, mate. And see now, I don't know if you've seen it, but I have a tractor. Yeah. I'm going to show you a video after and like I'll show you a video even now and I have a tractor and um, I go I just like go out and cut my fields and honestly like you see we've seen like how happy I am just just literally cruising about a field 
on a tractor. Look at this here, mate. Oh, mate. Like, that's so simple. Yeah. But yet, I I couldn't be happier. Yeah. And when you look back, you know, that used to be fast cars. Yeah, 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 yeah. With a big bag of gear, you know what I mean? Now I'm just out in the fresh air, cut my fields, and I feel like sometimes, back to the phone situation, if we just simplified our lives, I feel like things would be better. Couldn't agree with you more, man. Yeah, there's something about whenever you're constantly living high to high, whatever that high to high is, it doesn't allow you to enjoy those small wee things. Also, you can't just live for highs. Mm. What goes up must come down. So if you go up really high, you got to expect a come down to come with it, yeah. which will not be fun. you got to learn to enjoy the constant, that middle ground. If you can enjoy living at that slow pace, that, that middle bit, the highs will be great. They're bonuses. Yeah. But if you're only happy when you're on a high, and you're, it's, it's, a, it's not a good place to be in. Yeah. Because there's going to be a lot of lows. And you've got to be able to deal with them. And that's, I think that's a hard bit in life. People struggle to deal with the lows. Yeah. And some people get a lot more lows. It's true. <laughs> this isn't, isn't ideal. But um, I I seriously think the change for that was um, we spoke about it briefly. But I feel like it's a whole other, it's almost a whole other podcast. But the, the ayahuasca that time was I think things changed in around then. Yeah. But nobody, I think there's going to be about one percent of listeners will know what that is. <laughs> Do you know what it is, mate? It's actually just for the sake of time. Because it is, it's, yeah. it's it's a half an hour. Yeah, the, getting into it. the the ayahuasca is just it, you you need like you 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 genuinely need a podcast on it. Like yeah. I, it, you can't. It, it's not something you can scratch the surface. Yeah, or else it's pointless. I know. Um, so I feel like we'll keep that one. Yeah, wraps, but part two. We can <laughs> we can let people just pawn. Tell you what it is. Go research it first so we know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do a bit of homework. People ask me and I tell them and I'm like, do you know what ayahuasca is? And they're like, no. And I'm like, okay, I'm not telling you the story then. Yeah. And then they're like, why? I'm like, ah, oh, man, it's too much, too hard to explain. Yeah, like, too much. Too much. Before I did it, I researched it for a year. So I was like really, you know, into it. But um, I feel like if you don't know, then... You don't know? I was, <laughs> a five-minute chat with me and you here isn't going to no, teach it's you. Not, it's not going to help. Nah, not at all. So let me ask you this then. Like, even on the mental health front, are there any things that you've kind of baked into your life now that keep you living in that middle as opposed to bouncing up and down between high and low? Well, a lot of the highs I was getting, I don't do anymore. Mm-hmm. So I'm not getting them highs. So I'm not getting them lows. And just, tr- just trying to st- stay self-centered. Like, do my day's work, go home, see my kids, my family. I like to spend time outdoors, in my yard, cut my fields, fishing, and throw in a bit of exercise. Yeah. Keep it simple, you know. Keep your body moving. Keep your brain active. Stimulate yourself with nice hormones and like you know being around family, um, and honestly, just relax. Keep yeah. it simple. 
Let me ask you this then. Do you know what? It's being appreciative as well of just being alive. Yeah. Like, instead of being like, oh, I need this. Well, how about looking at what you've got? I'm like, do you know what? Actually, I'm, I'm very lucky. I think that's a big difference. I always wanted more. Mm. Now I look and go, like, for instance, if I won the lottery tonight, I wouldn't buy a new house. Yeah. I love my house. I've worked hard to get it. Yeah. I don't need more than that. That's a nice place. I don't think there's many people in Northern Ireland would say if they won a lottery, they wouldn't buy a different house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I buy a house in Florida. I <laughs> want in Portugal but I wouldn't change one of my now that's that's contentment me going me looking around and like okay I'm gonna stay I want to stay here for the rest of my life yeah just being appreciative of what I have I think that's a big thing whereas before no matter what I had I needed more mm. oh, I got the fo- iPhone 12 I'm gonna need a 13 here <laughs> you know that sort of you know opinion the so, conveyor belt aye constantly more scary place mm. place I'll end then a bit random but so you've talked a lot about how like getting sober has like obviously made a big difference to your marriage, big difference to your family, big difference to your own like personal well being. What about on the work front? Like what has getting sober done for you and your your craft and your art? Um because there is kind of this creative I don't want to say myth, but there's this creative no, there, belief. You're, you're right. In terms like There's definitely an element of art and drugs go together. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to deny that. Like, yeah. There's a f- element I of madness. I used to that... love drawing stoned. Sure. Or painting stoned. Like, but I've gradually taught myself to just not, like, I, f- I feel like, so it's a bad place to end because it goes back to ayahuasca but one of the things in that was a vision that showed me I was struggling with the time of creative process and I was like I can't I can't do no paint blah 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 I was struggling to get ideas but then one of the trips went in and showed me me doing all these big mad paintings there in the end but what the what the what you learn about that ayahuasca is it won't show you anything that's not really in your head mm. so Long story short, the vision, the, the explanation was, you can do this. Mm. You're just not putting your mind to it. So ever since then, so I, so in my head, I, that's registered. Like all, even if you're if you're smoking, say weed and painting, that's in your head already. The weed didn't give you that. The weed just relaxed you enough to maybe block out the, the, the thinking about your rest of your life, where you can go into that wee sort of visual trance. Mm. And it's it's it's. At a place now where of just learning to do that sober, been like, well, I have these ideas in my head, um, and so what will happen is I'll get artist block for two or three weeks. I can't think of my next painting. What I'm going to do? What I'm going to do? What I'm going to do? And then all of a sudden, boom, comes mm-hmm. like comes like that, and I got to write it all down, and I got to, st- I, I literally, I'll have to start it that night. Yeah. It's like a weird excitement, and then I'll just become obsessed with that for for a week or two, and and that's it, and. I, I've just kind of known now and then I'm maybe go dry for a week or two or I'll not want to create Yeah, and I'll just wait for the process to happen and then boom happens again and I'm ready to smash it so just learning that Willie G is an artist full stop Yeah, not Willie G is an artist when he does drugs or when he does smokes weed that's, that's, that's wrong yeah. I am the artist it was. It's always been my brain. It's always been my consciousness, and I refuse to let uh, like a 
a drug or something determine whether I can or can't. Yeah. No way, mate. Yeah. I can, full stop, end of. Um, we keep going. And that's it. That's all she wrote. It's a great place to end, man. Thanks so. Thanks for your time. Appreciate mate, it. Honestly, it's been a pleasure. No, really enjoyed you uh, making the time to be here and then sharing what you did. So, Anytime, bro. Part two, Ayahuasca. Maybe it could be easily, easily. There's a little more we can dive into.